Uh, the reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians, and uh, chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. The things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The, the person with the Spirit makes judgments above all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For... Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Thanks, Neil. Fantastic. I love to start with uh, a confession. About 10 years ago, I was nearly convicted uh, as a felon in Australia. I know it's usually the reverse when we think about uh, British people going to Australia, but I was very close to returning uh, with a criminal record, I know. And um, I love the idea of wisdom, but in that moment, I really struggled with it. I've always loved the idea of wisdom. I remember as a, as a child reading the book of Proverbs, and chapter four would speak about seek wisdom, gain understanding as a priority. This was a, a thing I was really drawn to. And then I went over to Australia and uh, I had a bit, of a, a bit of a moment. So in Australia, we lived in these flats, the Meritons. And in the basement of the Meritons, there was a veritable Ikea. And in our Ikea, there was chairs, there was old sound systems people gave away, there was desks. It was a treasure chest for students. You could furnish your entire flat from that place. And one day, my friend and I found a belt of shotgun shells. And of course, we thought, well, this is exciting. Let's take them home. So we took the shells home and, uh, you know, drew on them and, and used them as a beautiful, you know, table display. Until the end of our time there, where it was time to get rid of the shells. And I wasn't going to sell them on eBay. And I decided, okay, we'll pop them back. And a well-meaning Canadian friend decided to hand them in to reception. Of course sensible Canadians undo us all and uh, he 
He hands them into the desk. The desk, of course, report it to the police. And the police, of course, would like a conversation. So I am uh, having a very uncomfortable conversation with some uh, very astute officers who looked quite surprised at how I dealt with finding this ammunition. Um, I later discovered that having ammunition that wasn't registered to an owner could have been considered an offence in Australia, very sensible. And I was given a, a pretty strict warning and a, and a clear indication that I could have been charged on the spot for possession of ammunition. And uh, in that moment, I realized I struggle with wisdom at times. I don't know about you and where wisdom shows up in your life, but where does wisdom need to come in? My, my lack of wisdom towards the law or lack of common sense can just get us in bother sometimes, hey? And I wonder if today we could look to Jesus, look to the Spirit to unveil wisdom for us. We can receive the mind of Christ that we heard of there through the wisdom of the Spirit revealed above the wisdom of this age. I want you to hold that in your mind. We can receive the mind of Christ through the wisdom of the Spirit revealed above the wisdom of this age, of the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a revealer. And this morning we desire to see more of you. Say, come Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to us. Unveil more of Jesus, more of what you've done. And let us see how that might even impact just the next seven days of our lives. Thank you for what you're going to do here. Amen. So, as we come to a sermon today, I just want to encourage us to, to focus in. I think sometimes um, sermons can feel a bit one way. And I, I'd encourage us, if you love to take notes, or if you want to write down some stuff to chat about or challenge afterwards, let's go for that. That's, that's how we want to do it. It's as much as how we listen is how we speak. So um, when we're doing this, we recognize that God might want to show up and change something in us this morning that will affect people in our lives. And I'm up for that. I think we all must be up for that when we come around hearing God's word. So who was Paul writing to in this? We have the Corinthian church that this message was giving to. And as we understand a little bit more about what's going on there, we get a sense of what this passage means. So the Corinthian church was a, a church that Paul had set up that wasn't hugely impressed by him. It thought he's got a good bark, but his bite's a bit weak. He writes sharp letters, but actually in person, a little bit dull. He's a bit harmless. It was a, a city full of philosophy and ideas. People loved the latest knowledge. Perhaps not dissimilar to Edinburgh, philosophy bubbling up through there, new ideas, concepts, study, and people chasing after wisdom. It was in the church pretty similar. So some people would identify with Paul and some would identify with Apollos, another leader. And others would say, no, I follow Peter. And some would say, no, I follow Jesus. Now you could see that. Perhaps here it might look like, well, I love Dave's sermons. Dave's always been faithful to us. And then others say, oh, I actually like it when James preaches. Or you might go, oh, do you know, it's just not quite the same as up the road. And this comparison game is so easy in the church. 
And it can cause these little frictions, little divisions that aren't hugely helpful when we try and just bring it under one name, which is Jesus. So it was a church that had formed all these different ideas and leaders. And what they loved to do in Corinth was unveil hidden mysteries. And they would say there's more than what seems to be here. So there might have been the story of Jesus, but then they would say, but do you know maturity in this? They might say, have you heard the hidden mysteries of faith? They might say there's a deeper knowledge to be obtained. It's a little bit like someone serving you a whiskey, offering it to you and saying, now really, the 25-year-old malt is in the back. Do you want the real stuff? We've got it. It's behind here. It feels pious and, and just wrong even to say. So it's full of all this. And how then does the Spirit work in this place? Because we want to see how do we receive the mind of Christ through the wisdom of the Spirit revealed above the wisdom of the world. You hear that first part there in verse 6. We, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We're just speaking on this two days after an election, almost like it was intentional to have this passage right after. But what we can be clear about and what restores us when we read this passage is that the rulers of this age aren't the rulers overall time. They aren't the rulers of tomorrow. They aren't the rulers of the future. The religious and the political gains that happened in Corinth were in the same place. It becomes clear that we honor those who lead, but we don't give them godliness. And Paul's unveiling a structure that's in place, which unveils the kingdom of God is above the kingdoms of this world. There's more hope, there's more longevity, there's more life, there's more action than any party, than any government, than any debate. And what then is the wisdom of this age that we come up against? Perhaps it's that people just build up behind their borders, run to their tribes. We see more and more division. Perhaps they just lob bombs from behind party walls, call others a liar, press the debate. There's so much tension, division here. Perhaps fear has become the wisdom of this age. And there's a lot of positive values that we live in. We see an incredible work renewing the earth, looking to value the planet. But even then, the wisdom of this age can sometimes come across as scarily blunt. Hell hath no fury like somebody who recycles plastic in the landfill bin. We can jettison grace and we carve up and we go at each other. So the wisdom of our age appears to be more tribal, more defended, more success on your own, more inclusive, except of those who you don't agree with. And today, more than ever, Jesus reminds us that he is Lord. And if he is Lord, then we serve him and live under his authority, his kingship, which didn't change this week. We don't vote on whether Jesus will love us or fill us with his spirit tomorrow. The love of the Father can't be voted in or out. There's no referendum on Jesus changing your life this morning. There's no majority needed to be filled 
with the Spirit today. There's no cabinet deciding if you can encounter God today. There is wisdom from the kingdom, abundantly to shape our culture for the cause of Christ's love. In arts, in business, education, family, government, media, all of these are places where the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ, can start to have a profound impact that is above the wisdom of this age. It's clear that the rulers of this age don't always get the message of Jesus. We think back to the centurion, and you might have that Ben-Hur image of the centurion at the cross watching Jesus pass. That authority of the time saying, surely this man was the son of God. And there was an awe about it. But I wonder really if what actually happened was there was a, an uncomfortable realization as the earth grew dark. Surely this man was the son of God. We've crucified him. And so, what then does the Spirit reveal to us if we're not going to subscribe to the wisdom and the rule of this age? Because we want to receive the mind of Christ through the wisdom of the Spirit revealed above the wisdom of the world. So, the Corinthians loved this idea of hidden wisdom that only some could access. Maturity and mystery. And it's like they were teaching there was another level, another space to go into a deeper teaching, a more mature walk. They were telling them that the, the real stuff is hidden behind. But the Spirit wants to reveal where we get trapped in that kind of thinking. And perhaps your faith has grown up on that kind of measurement, that there was always another step that just you weren't enough on. We can easily dismiss what goes on in our faith by challenging and using measurements and math with our relationship with God. Perhaps you hear a sermon that we weren't a fan of and we said it was very shallow. I was loving some deep teaching on the weekend, but that was a shallow message. Or maybe there's something in us that thinks there's a greater holiness that we've not obtained yet. Or maybe in worship we can want to be deeper, deeper, deeper in worship and think that we're going to come into some mighty bubble of closeness with God. And I wonder if we then berate ourselves for not praying enough and not following God enough. And we end up just taking our life and our relationship with God and putting it on a ruler. We think about how on fire we were, how hot we are, cold we were, whatever your way is, where Jesus is in the car of your life or where your boat is in the harbor. We realize that we could end up just measuring our faith. So take that into the, the real part of your life. If I'm thinking about Dave and I'm applying a ruler to this, I could think, I wonder if I make Dave a cup of tea, if that will bring me a little bit closer to him. And then maybe if I do go on Sunday, I'll be a bit closer again. But then maybe if Dave's grumpy, I feel like I have to step back from it. And I've just applied maths to this relationship. When we think about God, we're not going one way forward and back. He is an all-consuming fire. God is with us, surrounding us, calling us to realize we are overwhelmed by him. 
He wants to show up every day in the light, in the shadow parts, in your near, in your far, in your passionate moments, in your disappointments, all of it. And the revealed mystery, the thing that we can't cover over, is Jesus. It's Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected so that we just do away with our rulers and start to realize he brings all of his life to all of us and that we become immersed in a relationship with him. We are in him, the beauty and mystery of Christ crucified. Perhaps there was that uh, phase last summer where on their phones everybody went crazy for Pokemon Go. Now, Pokemon Go was an app where you could download and run around the world sort of bumping into people as you tried to, to catch monsters that were running around. And then you could level up and you could fight them and your monsters would evolve and become newer and greater and you would go all the way through and people obsessed with this. And today we just got to remember God is not Pokemon Go. God is he's not a role-playing game. There's not some level you hit and then get some new armor and some new power or you get a bigger sword of the spirit once you hit level 46. He's not running with us in that way. Our wisdom is found in what Jesus has done for us that transforms everything we do in our lives. So where we feel we need wisdom for our week ahead, where we feel we need the spirit to reveal, the answer isn't in pushing further into some secret knowledge or deeper maturity that you feel you can lord over folks. The answer is in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This is the grace of Jesus, unveiling wisdom to us. And I wonder if just a really, really practical way of looking that is what Andy Stanley says, a pastor in Atlanta. And he asks this question, puts it on his wall and asks it of situations to think about how the wisdom of the Spirit might come in. He says, in light of my past experiences, my present circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experiences, my present circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? that we might receive the mind of Christ through the wisdom of the Spirit revealed above the wisdom of the world. And our last part, we receive the mind of Christ. What an amazing statement. Not the mind like Christ, it says the mind of Christ. So what does that look like? Because I believe this is the bit that is gonna change perhaps something over the next seven days in our lives. I see the mind of Christ a bit like the lenses that we have. Now, I've got really, really rotten vision. And uh, there was a while I wore glasses a few years ago. And in a moment of, of worship, um, boisterous worship, they were knocked off and trampled upon. And I went for about three days with no glasses. So I'm minus five in vision, which basically means I can see nothing beyond here without lenses. And I bumped my way through, through town um, avoided getting knocked down by cars and just missed everybody who said hello to me on any side. And then getting your vision restored just brings clarity back. And perhaps having the mind of Christ for us would be like having restored vision. 
Perhaps you felt like, actually today you've, you've gone around just in, in sunglasses. That it's, there's a darker thing going on. That things just don't feel that clear for you. And if I was to come in here, as I am now, wearing these sunglasses, it would look a bit ridiculous. This isn't a Bono U2 concert. <laughs> Tim's like Bono, but it's close. So it would be ridiculous. So of course, we want to take off the stuff that confuses our vision, that blocks the way, that helps us not see. And the mind of Christ is this gift to us. So what is the mind of Christ like in your life? How does Jesus see you? It begins to help us see how Jesus looks at us. What does Jesus think about you? What does Jesus think about the world you're in? What's the heart of Jesus for where you spend most of your time this week? What what is Jesus hearing where you spend most of your time this week? And the people around you? What does the mind of Christ look like in your family? What choices with your kids or your grandchildren are you making that the mind of Christ might actually be profoundly useful in? Perhaps in your work, you know, what does the mind of Christ look like for an architect? What does the mind of Christ look like in a legal firm? What does the mind of Christ look like when you're trying to find housing for yourself? What does the mind of Christ look like when we're unemployed and seeking work? What does the mind of Christ look like in your school? What's Jesus seeing, hearing, feeling? The Spirit of God is it's not just present to restore and reveal our past and where that stuff needs fixed. The Spirit of God is unveiling the mind of Christ so that everywhere we step, everywhere we walk, we can see what Jesus would want to see. The Spirit creates the possibility and the future that we're living into, the choices we make day in and out. So we get to become these creative, wonderful beings. We get to create new inventions. There's ideas in this room for your community, your neighborhood. There's ideas for business. There's ideas for policy that will change people's lives because the mind of Christ is in us all. Our faith doesn't become private in that sense. It then becomes affected in everything that we do. Whatever age you are, whatever stage, whatever term it is, it doesn't stop when we retire. It doesn't stop when term ends. Jesus is showing us wisdom for the world around us. I really want to encourage us. I think there's some people in the room today who wisdom is something you're passionate about. But I wonder if it's something that you felt has just lacked value or you didn't know where it could be placed. More than any other time, wisdom is key to our communities. Wisdom is key to our societies. More than certainty, we need wisdom. We need loads of it in every sphere. And maybe Jesus is just reminding you not to discredit your passion for wisdom or the place that you want to bring it. So again, let's just think of that practical way that wisdom might show up, that the Spirit loves to reveal it. In light of our past experiences, our present circumstances and future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? We see the wisdom of this age. It's not looking great. We see the Spirit 
revealing more of Jesus, revealing Christ crucified, revealing the resurrection into our lives. And we see that we have the mind of Christ to create a new society, to create new ways of being, to create more love, more grace, more generosity, more peace from yourself to your home, to the workplace, to the school. And we have this wonderful opportunity to receive that. Don't think God now sees me as an unwise, almost Australian con, forgetful and doughty. Jesus sees the mind of Christ in me and offers us to be filled with the Spirit. And he's loving, revealing the wisdom of Jesus to us every day. So where is that going to show up in the next seven days for us? Where we might say, Jesus, what is the wise thing to do? And then let's live from that place.